Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. everybody and welcome to another episode of yo mtg taps i'm joey pasco and i'm big head joe and we're gonna talk about magic um like we've we got yeah like we do we've got a, you know a bunch of topics we're gonna start with uh mythic championship london a little bit of stuff about that tiny bit about modern then probably a lot about standard you know kind of generic uh umbrellas to to fall under but um we've got a couple other little things at the end i think as well um but let's just jump right in because it feels like old news right now i know i just right. said this to you before the show it's you know eight days old nine days old news but you know mythic championship london happened the same weekend uh, as the pre-release <laughs> that's right the pr- oh, i missed the pre-release oh god no i'm just kidding um <laughs> i missed yeah. Mythic championship london because that was right. at the pre-release so. i missed both so <laughs> kind of <laughs> as i said last episode i i missed a lot of the coverage because I had to shoot a wedding and I wouldn't have brought it up again, except that it was so strange. I get to this wedding where I'm, uh, I'm filling in as, in as a photographer for a friend of mine. And, um, I go to like take shots of the groom and his groomsmen getting ready. And they're in like an Airbnb around the corner from the venue. So I'm wandering these streets because they didn't know the address at the time. So I, <laughs> Yeah, I'm wandering looking for this house that I've basically begin, been given a very vague description of. It's white and it's around the corner. That was <laughs> that was it. Lovely. Well, so I get I get there and the groom and he's got uh, his father and two of his or the two groomsmen with him. And the groom says, uh, oh, you must be Joey. And at the same time, one of the groomsmen says, Joey. And I'm like, Nate. And it's Nathan Holt from Walk the Plains. So uh, cool. You know, enter the battlefield. Uh fame, you know, wizards coverage. Uh, Nate was apparently one of the best friends of the groom of this wedding, which was completely random that I'd be the photographer and Nate would be one of the groomsmen at a wedding in Virginia. And Nate lives in Philly and I live in Baltimore. It was just, just such a, I can't believe how like weird that was, you know, small world and all that, but yeah, uh, really good to see, to see him. And, um, uh, that was just kind of random, random story, but, um, the actual event that was happening on Twitch, if you tuned in, was, you know, the Mythic Championship London. We had the first appearance of War of the Spark in Limited that weekend, which was, was pretty exciting, I think, for a lot of people to watch and see kind of like what uh, what cards were showing up and what cards the the pros identified in the, you know, 20 minutes that they had to practice with this format yeah. <laughs> um, as being being powerful. I thought it was interesting. The the little bit of coverage I saw of the limited portion was um, the commentators were kind of, you know, they were thrown into this as well. Like they don't they didn't have a lot of time to study these cards and suddenly they need to be able to identify them 
on camera and it's kind of kind of weird that was something i hadn't considered but i know from experience how hard it is especially with with limited uh to prepare for something like this when uh in this case the set was so brand new that nobody had really gotten any games or any significant number of of games in um so that was kind of you know, there were some people that got thrown to the wolves outside of just the players, you know. Right, right. Um, but I'm, uh, I believe, you know, it worked out, worked out fine. Um, I don't know if they would do something like this again. Uh, I, I like, I hope they would, but it's, it is a little weird. Um, I like. It. So in general, just I like formats being um thrown out into the wild like just like this like week one yeah you know uh, a limited format being part of something with stakes i like that um when i went to vegas in i guess it was 2015 mm-hmm. um that was like the first week i think that was the first weekend of the release yeah. of masters 2015 right right um and i like that even though i mean i did well you know i did well at that event but um I don't know why or how, because I apparently was terrible at draft at the time, but I got pretty good, two pretty good draft decks in a row on day two. But, you know, you're, you're kind of, it's more of a level playing field. I like limited because, you know, limited skill uh, in just general can often, you know, trump, like, you know, even like better players, whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a lot more of a level playing field. And the earlier a format is, is introduced, the more level the playing field is. Um, but what am I trying to say here? I don't like it being the same weekend as the pre-release. Like no, uh, it's that was too bad. early because I, I would have loved to have watched limited coverage um, the week after I got to play the set for the first time, you know, then I could go watch limited coverage, but I couldn't watch limited coverage. Because I was at the pre-release. Um, well, I guess like, what did they started on Friday though, right? Yeah, so. but it was like Friday at four a.m. or three a.m. for you in Texas. So oh, I was never you know watch it. Yeah. It was just yeah. I mean, you can go back and watch it. It's so weird though because I think of that every time. Every time we have a, a weekend like this, and it's in um, a time zone that's not my own, and so it's like off. You know, a lot of it's happening basically when I'm asleep. Um, I'm not gonna wake up to watch it, especially limited. I'm, I'm usually more interested in a constructed, constructed portion anyway. So, um, but I always think like, Oh, maybe I'll go back and watch some of it. And I never do unless I hear something crazy happen. Then I'll go look for the, for the VOD to try to find, you know, what, what actually happened. But, um, it's just, I, I think in terms of coverage, I know the viewership numbers were pretty bad and I hate that that happened for a modern pro tour because it makes it feel like, Oh, well then modern isn't popular, but it's because of the pre-release, you know, people had the pre-release happening and they're not watching, you know, right. when they're, when they're at the event, you know, at, at their own event. So I did hear someone, I think it was Evan actually, you know, suggested, you know, he didn't, he doesn't know for sure, but he thinks that it was like a scheduling snafu. Like it was an accident. Like, I don't know how that happens, but apparently, you know, I can understand things happen. People say, oh, we're going to schedule this this weekend. And they're not thinking they don't notice that it's also the pre-release weekend. So it's silly, but I feel like that's the most obvious explanation because I just don't think that it it was a strategic decision. It doesn't make you sense. Know? It literally yeah. just doesn't make sense to have a thing you want everyone to show up to and a thing you want everyone to watch right. at the same time because they literally cannot do both. Exactly. So unless they have it on the screen, like on a TV at the game shop, 
And that's only one viewer, though. You could have 100 exactly. people in there. One viewer. <laughs> it counts right. as one, one viewer. viewer. Right. It does not help their numbers at all. So right. uh, a scheduling mix-up makes the most sense, and I hope that's true, and I hope that they don't do this again because – uh, yeah. I would like to watch the Pro Tours. It's like the biggest event of the year for Magic players, you know, several times a year. It's not like the right. Super Bowl, but, you know, still, you know, we, we would like to be around uh, and not preoccupied with something else you are actively driving us towards. Exactly. You know? So yeah, it has to be a mistake. Yeah. Um, now, what wasn't a mistake, as far as I'm concerned, um, was this disqualification. Yeah. Um, in uh, what was it in round 16 so it was right before the top eight um so th- i think the 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 way it looked was okay this is yuyu watanabe if you hadn't heard already yuyu watanabe has uh you know was disqualified prior to the top eight of mythic championship london um it was after the final round so it was in between um the final round and the top eight and he he would have made top eight he basically right. Him, him being disqualified actually made a, opened a slot in the top eight for Matt Sperling uh, to make top eight. Matt, Matt was playing Affinity and I think made it all the way to the finals or made it to the top four. Um, I'm already forgetting. It's it's nine days ago and I forgot. Yeah, um, well. <laughs> but um, yeah, Yuya was, was disqualified for marked sleeves. And um, it's kind of been a little bit awkward since then because we've got this situation where okay he's disqualified and he's a very well-loved member of the magic professional community he's a hall of famer and a lot of people look up to him and it's just a very um bad situation when one of your star players and one of your most likable personalities uh especially in the japanese pro scene um is disqualified and it's really it really looks bad like it doesn't look like a mistake it doesn't look like he was disqualified on like a technicality or no. you know it's like oh yeah like he he didn't do it on purpose like no it it looks <laughs> the the chances if you look at these sleeves the the situation is he's playing tron and all his tron lands were marked i think right. all but like one of them like three three of the four urza's towers or something were marked or and something each, like that and each land was, like each named land was marked a different way, right? Which so, you know, considering you need all three to turn it on to, to be able to find which one is which, you would need to mark each one differently, which they were. Okay, yes. and um, so I have a couple tweets here um, that I wanted to read. Uh, two from uh, Ricky Hayashi. Uh, the first one he said, because um, because uh, Watanabe went and posted like pictures of his sleeves and pictures of his deck, and trying, I guess, trying to defend himself. But I don't right. know where he thought that was defending himself. And I don't know if you saw this, but his team, Team Side Games, doubled down on that and posted a thing supporting him and saying that they think he's innocent. But, I don't so- know how. I don't. I don't know how anyone could think he's innocent. So anyway. Ricky Hayashi says this. He says, I'm surprised that Watanabe-san posted pics of his sleeves as the evidence is damning. It's a, it erases a lot of the community's doubts that existed about factory defects or accidental shuffling damage. It was a brave action that damages his public image. And a lot of people have uh, – and Ricky, I think, I'm almost certain, was one of the judges there and inspected these sleeves himself. I think he may have been the head judge, yeah, but I'm not, so, I'm not totally sure about that. But I not, think he may wouldn't have been. be surprised. You know, he's, he's he's one of the best judges we have. Yeah. Um. So you know, a lot of people have been sending like, you know, 
doubts and, and all this conspiracy theories. And here's his other tweet following up on that. He says, Mythic Championships are currently judged exclusively by L3s. It takes years to achieve this letter level. The acceptance rate for the event is something like 20%, and some great judges go years between being accepted for a Mythic Championship. Please consider this when advancing your conspiracy theories about the DQ. <laughs> so this is not like we have some new judges that don't know what they're doing. These are all seasoned veterans of the judge circuit. Every single judge, not just the head judge, every single judge are L3s, you know? So it's not like these these people don't know what they're doing. They literally are the only ones who know what they're doing more than anyone else. So um, I'm just going to say this. Whether or not it was intentional the sleeves were marked exactly as you see, and the punishment was deserved, right? I mean, we can agree with that, right? Right. You know, like, I sure. think even Yuya agrees that that it was deserved. Like, he stated that he understands why, and it's kind of like, yeah, because you cheated. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, I like Yuya Watanabe. I thought, you know, I'm a fan of his as well. Like, I this is... It's hard to wrap my head around or to reconcile these two images of Yuya Watanabe and a player who does what it looks like he did. Yeah. Um, just to uh, update or just to provide a little more information, I just opened up Ricky's Twitter feed and I knew he had written something else um, that you didn't read, which was, today has been devastating for me. Please understand that I cannot share any details from today's DQ, but I have never had my resolve as a judge and my love for the game as a fan be pulled in such conflicting ways. My heart is broken right now. Um, and he also says... To make it clear, he was not the one who made the call. He was involved as a Japanese translator, as he often is at the uh, MC. Okay. Um, so, and based on the facts, he agrees with the ruling. Um, if you want to see more, you can go to his feed and kind of read a few of his different statements. But just to clarify what he actually – how he was involved. Um, but this is the kind of thing – like this is a player that people love and it doesn't – it's hard to reconcile the two. But – uh, you know, Occam's razor, right? Like what's the simplest explanation is he cheated. Like that's because the other explanations are this occurred a hundred percent randomly, which I think is absolutely ridiculous to think that this happened somehow. Like he just happened to, to sleeve these in all the sleeves that were marked and they just happened to, to be on his Tron lands and yeah, on different nope, that, that just, nope. that's just not, no, nope. I can't even imagine the how unlikely that is. Um, the other is this conspiracy theory that the judges that were uh, checking his deck thought, hmm, we're going to go ahead and sabotage Yuji Watanabe yeah, and right. mark his sleeves. Like yeah. that just seems ridiculous also. A beloved so, member of the Magic uh, Pro community. We're just going to wreck him just because we're bored. It's been a long day. We haven't wrecked anyone in a while. Let's wreck this guy. No, right. you know, like I'm sure there's like three people on the Mythic Championships worth wrecking more than him. You know what I mean? I'm not like I'm not naming names. I don't even have a name to name, but I'm just saying like there are worse people out there, bigger jerks than this guy from what I gather from people's reaction to it. You know what I mean? There seems like no benefit to singling out Yuya and wrecking him, right? Yeah. No. It's it just doesn't doesn't seem like it doesn't seem likely. Although it does seem more likely than just the fact that just those sleeves happened to all be marked and that's how he sleeps. <laughs> yeah. It just Le happened least by chance. Random errors 
little more likely, but still completely unlikely. Let's wreck Yuya because we're bored. Most likely, he cheated because there's a lot on the line. So there it is. Um, Now, I just wanted to briefly read this tweet from Ben Stark, um, member of the uh, Magic Pro League, correct? Mm -hmm. So he said about about the Pro League, for non-cheating offenses, Watsi should terminate Magic Pro League contracts as they see fit. We are paid representatives of Magic. Then bans should be the same as they would for non-Magic Pro League. For cheating in-game, we should be held to the highest standards as players, and penalties should be harsh. So that's a member of the Pro League saying we should be held to this standard. And, you know, that wouldn't be... Th- those sleeves wouldn't be acceptable at FNM if you're playing Tron. You know, those are... Right, absolutely But just happen to see your deck at FNM, you would be disqualified from FNM for those sleeves. Like, there's no... And there's no question absolutely. that would happen. You know? Um, the way they are marked, you would be banned from your local FNM. So, um, to imagine that there should be more leeway given when there's, like, 75 grand on the line for first place, I don't even think so. So, there we go. And at least uh, we have... People in the pro league uh, speaking some sense. I like it. Yeah. So uh, moving on, the top eight deck lists from the London uh, Mythic Championship London were uh, – it, it was not too much of a surprise. I mean I think the biggest surprise is that it only only one copy of Is It Phoenix made it to the top eight. And um, we do have to take into account the fact that parts of these players' records were limited and it wasn't That's all true, modern. Too. That's true. But – is it Phoenix, which was the boogeyman of the format going into the weekend, um, was or at least at least the default best deck of the format um, was kind of brought down to earth a bit. It was still a good deck, but it did not put up the, the numbers that it had been putting up in the months previous. Um, at the same time, the the boogeyman or the boogeyman decks of the London Mulligan, which were typically Tron and Dredge, uh, didn't put up incredible numbers either now a lot of players played them uh tron did make top eight uh a couple players it was uh or i'm sorry <clears throat> one tron deck made the top eight and that was uh who was that it was alexander hayne um so tron made top eight you know in the hands of one player dredge didn't make top eight so doesn't seem like the london mulligan was the um uh was affected things as greatly as some people worried uh, or were fearing. Um, We had humans in the top eight. We had uh, affinity in the top eight. Humans actually was the dominant deck as far as the top eight is concerned with three copies. And then we've got a a Titan shift deck in the top eight. Uh, And again, Matt Sperling with affinity, uh, as I previously mentioned. So um, congratulations to Eli Loveman, who did take it down with humans. Mm -hmm. Um, Humans is a deck that I guess that's another sort of surprise. Um, it had kind of fallen off for the past, I don't even know, six months. Like it was not one of the best decks. It was still a good deck, but suddenly, you know, it shows up and really a lot of players that, um, a lot of players played it and three of them made top eight. So it, it's still a good choice. I think this, to me, what this says about modern is this, the thing that we always say about modern is it really feels like you could pick any of maybe 30 archetypes and do well if you're well positioned that particular weekend and humans was well positioned guess what is likely to be on the rise if these humans decks start showing up more just guy control which has been 
basically bad for a few months. So it's <laughs> it's just it's a cycle. It's completely cyclical. It's very rock, paper, scissors in a way with just a whole lot of more whole lot more archetypes thrown in there but a lot more rocks <laughs> yeah well that's the thing you, a lot of rocks show up then suddenly a whole bunch of people identify that paper is good so then paper starts to be good and guess what scissors shows up you know it's just it's kind of how it works and i think that's one of the things that people love about modern is that they can be an expert in a certain kind of deck and they know that maybe every weekend isn't it isn't the best deck in the room but eventually it will be and um you know you can put your expertise to uh you know, you can use your expertise to your advantage because you know the deck and you play it so often. So I, I always like that about uh, about modern. So that's uh, that's the coverage of the MC London. And again, I mentioned the London Mulligan. My my impression, and there's been no word from Wizards yet, um, is that the London Mulligan was a, a success. I think you know they had this event to sort of stress test it in terms of putting it uh, on camera in an eternal format where people were worried about it making a negative impact. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it really uh, looked bad at all. And I think in the other formats, limited and standard, I think it's already sort of been accepted, accepted that it's a, it's an upgrade to the Vancouver Mulligan, which is what we use now. So I think last time when we, when they changed the Mulligan rule, they tested it at, at, a pro tour i think it was like at the end of july and then like august 20th they announced that it was going to go into effect and i think it went into effect with like the new set uh you know the next set you know when they do the um rules update that they always do for yeah. new sets so if that's if they follow the same pattern i imagine we will hear something in about two weeks um and this will go into effect starting with magic uh 2020 so, yeah, I hope so for my standard deck that I'm working on. So yeah, you, I mean we can talk about that a little sh- bit later. We, we do want to talk about that, but yeah, I guess this just this last point. I think, uh, or, or actually, a couple more points. I, I skipped this one almost. Um, on the topic of modern, or yeah, do you want to talk about the pre-release, or do you want to talk about this this other? Uh, I thing mean, for- this makes me this hurts my brain, but you can go ahead and talk about it real quick. Go I ahead. just want to mention it. So War of the yeah. Spark has uh, the inclusion of the card Neoform in War of the Spark has kind of spawned a new archetype in modern. And it's kind of nuts because it can regularly kill on like turn two or three and has the potential for turn one, uh, turn one kills. It's Neoform combo. This is, that's what you'll, you'll Google. If you want to look it up, we can link this, uh, this article from channel fireball in the show notes. I'm sure there are several dozen more articles about this deck showing up because it's kind of the hot new scary thing right now. Um, modern typically does not, contain decks that are going to win on turn one or two consistently. So uh, those are the, the kind of decks that get banned very quickly. But the, the gist of this combo is you use cards like uh, Chancellor of the Tangle, which if you don't remember that card, it's one that you can reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do at the beginning of your first main phase, add a green to your mana pool. So basically you use this to get extra mana on your opening uh, on your first turn. So you play a land, you, you reveal Chancellor of the Tangle, you've got two mana, you cast uh, Allosaurus Rider, uh, removing two green cards in your hand from the game rather than paying its mana cost. Um, it doesn't matter what else Allosaurus Rider does, it just matters that it can be played for free by removing two green cards in your hand from the game, uh, and that its mana cost is 
seven, so green, green, five. So that, that's the only relevant part, because what you do is now you have that two mana that I mentioned, you have Allosaurus Rider on board, and you cast Neoform, which if you remember, that's the Simic spell that uh, is kind of like a birthing pod effect where you sacrifice a creature as an additional cost. So you sacrifice Allosaurus Rider, search your library for a creature with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrificed creature's converted mana cost, in this case, eight. Put that card in the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it, then shuffle your library. Of course, you go get Gristlebrand, who costs eight, and now you've got a Gristlebrand turn one. Um, there are, you know, first of all, that you kind of won already, right? You got Gristlebrand on, in play on turn one, uh, and then you can do things with like... Uh, uh, what is it? Autochthon worm. That is a really hard <laughs> word to say. Yeah, uh, I always thought it was autochron. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would have been much just... easier, <laughs> much easier to pronounce. Um, and uh, nourishing sh- shoal. So you remove a green card from with converted mana cost X in your hand from the game, rather than pay nourishing sh- shoal's mana cost. You gain X life. Autochthon worm costs fifteen. 15. So you're like, oh. <laughs> I think I'll go ahead and, you know, I'll, I'll draw a bunch of cards with Gristlebrand, find a Nourishing Shoal, find a, an Autochthon Worm, gain 15 life, uh, keep drawing cards with Gristlebrand. So this is how it works. You basically draw your deck. Eventually you find, um, you have Samut's Sprint, which is an instant that gives a creature haste until end of turn. So you can go ahead and swing in with your Gristlebrand if you like, gain some more life um, and knock them to... 10 because Gristlebrand's an 8-8 because of the Neoform, and then it gets plus 2, plus 1 in haste from Samet's Sprint. Um, And you eventually can find Lightning Storm, which is a weird card from Cold Snap that lets you deal X damage to a creature or player, where X is 3 plus the number of charge counters on Lightning Storm. But Lightning Storm is an instant, so it's weird that it gets counters. <laughs> but you can discard a land to put two charge counters on it. So what you're doing is you draw your deck, you find a Lightning Storm, you cast it, you remove a bunch of lands to put more charge counters on it. So it's this instant on the stack with a bunch of charge counters on it, and you just kill them out, out of nowhere. So that's kind of what you're doing. You, know, you get Gristlebrand, draw your deck, find Lightning Storm, kill them. That's it. Um, so this is apparently happening relatively consistently. And so um, just giving you folks a heads up that uh to look for a card from this deck to be banned <laughs> so uh, yeah I, i'm guessing allosaurus rider because i think it's the biggest enabler and it's uh and it's unlikely to really have much of an impact on another deck because i don't you know i don't think they're going to ban neoform it's a new card and it does enable some fun stuff and we've got another modern set coming up you know i say another modern set as if they've ever done modern horizons before but we've got something that's going to be impacting modern in a great way coming up in a couple of months so um i think allosaurus rider is most likely to get the axe just because it has like very very little splash damage that's true i think that's fair um i'm i'm so like annoyed by this i'm like just ban grizzle brand teach these people to stop doing this crap <laughs> but um like this is what you get for breaking modern we're gonna ban a card that you love but um i don't gristle brand really isn't think... even a problem like gristle like nope you see not gristle really. brand so infrequently that yeah. i don't that is not the card you ban here um <laughs> well you definitely ban Allosaurus rider and i yeah. and i told you and i stand by this that i'm actually against banning stuff before modern horizons intro- Horizons uh, introduces a whole bunch of new cards to the format. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the format could completely change. Um, 
but uh, for this particular thing, you know, I think they want people to play modern for like the two months leading up to uh, yeah to Modern Horizons. So probably getting this deck out of the format real quick would be a good thing. And they haven't made an announcement yet, so um, an announcement comes up, I think, on like the twentieth or something, right? It's like something That's weird a good like question. that. MTG BNR announcement schedule twenty nineteen. Let's see. Sixteenth. Okay, so you had it. You were quicker than me. No, Your internet's faster. Did I? I didn't actually type. I just guessed. Oh, May 20th. 20th. So. Okay, I was right. There you go. <laughs> so, so we'll see in uh, you know about two weeks. We'll find out whether Allosaurus Rider gets to make it to the next announcement. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, at which point I fully expect it, unless there's some kind of crazy thing in Modern Horizons that somehow interacts with it, but I, I doubt it. Um, so anyway, that's that's the new hotness in Modern uh I, I say sell into the hype. So if you've got Allosaurus Riders, sell them because I'm sure they were now. worth a whole quarter before and now they might be worth like five bucks or 12 bucks or something. Yep. I don't know how much they're worth right now. Uh, I don't have Allosaurus Riders, so it, I didn't look it up. Um, this last part, let's go ahead and jump into that because you were talking about this on the pre-release weekend. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been complaining a lot about this sealed format. I hate this sealed format so much. And I don't say that, Joey. You know I don't say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm I surprised. Love sealed. I know you did say it, you know, last weekend, but I thought that would have worn off by now. So I'm surprised to hear you're still, still no, on I that train. No, I won't train. play it. Like, I won't go anywhere near it. Wow. Um, the, the gods are broken. So, I mean, we all knew this. It's obvious the gods are broken. That's the dumb, obvious statement. But here's the thing. So in sealed, you know, you've got a limited amount of whatever the heck you open, right? Sometimes you open some bomb rares. That's great. Um, everybody opens them once in a while. and But we also open removal, and we're able to deal with those bomb rares if we get the right removal, and they draw their bomb rare. One or the other could not happen, you know? Um, I, I played in the, in the pre-release. I actually played in three, which was a little brutal, but I just decided randomly because, like, two of my friends showed up. Ryan Germore and John Trout showed up to the last sealed, and I was about to leave. And I was like, ah, let me play. Why not? Let's just play. And I opened a foil Ilharg as my promo. I was like, all right, it was worth it. And, like, immediately sold it on eBay for 35 bucks. So I was nice. like, okay. All right, well, I paid for my sealed, so that's good. Um, but the gods are so busted. Um, so here's the problem. A mass exists, right? Um, a mass is a pretty fun ability if you have it in your deck. You know, uh, you build up a, a zombie army, which is a single token, and it gets bigger and bigger, and you can swing with it. So as a result of this uh, being in the format there are no pacifism effects, right? So there's no... And they specifically, um, like they did that deliberately. Deliberately to not take the fun away from a mass. Right. Because if your token gets pacified, it's not like the next thing makes another creature. It just adds to the creature that's already stopped in its tracks. Exactly. Right? Um, Now, so as a result, these god cards are unbeatable. Which isn't a hundred percent true. I lost with a god on the battlefield, so, so uh, I can't. <laughs> but say you're it's 100%. the only one, though. <laughs> I am literally the only one. Um, 
it's to the point where, like, when I played my first Sealed of the Day, um, I had a second deck ready with five answers to the gods in it just to play if I had to play against <laughs> a god. It had two discard spells uh, and, like, three different counter spells. Um, or three discard spells and two counter spells just because there's no way once they resolve, you lose. You lose. Like, pretty much lose. Um, I had a player play a Kefnet against me. As soon as he played, I was like, cool, cool, we're good. And I just expected my cards. Scooped. I was behind anyway. Um, but I scooped. I was like, I see a god. Okay, cool. Switching decks. I built the other deck wrong uh, initially, so I wasn't even able to make that work. But there was a whole separate strategy for five ran into one of these god cards. Um, so here's the problem. They should not have released these gods in the same set where they were going to nerf pacifism to benefit a mass. Or they could have released the gods, which are busted enough with their regular abilities and taken off that if it dies, shuffle it into your li- or if shuffle it into your library would have made sense. Yeah. Third from the top is terrible. You're just going to lose to it in three turns. You right. know, that's it. Um, but by then, you've probably used all your removal on other stuff trying to get your stuff through. So, you know, you probably don't have any removal left by the time they stick one of the gods, so you lose anyway. So, and now the one card, uh, the one, like, card on the battlefield that deals with it is Kazamina's Transmutation, which uh, Enchanted Creature loses all abilities and has base power and toughness 1-1. That design is pretty brilliant because what that actually does is pumps a zombie army. Right, um, because it's a 0-0 zero, zero so, as base power and toughness. That's pretty cool. I like that. So, so that was a clever way to do it, but there's only one card that does it, you know, um, and that's not great. So, uh, yeah, so I won't go anywhere near this, uh, this sealed format. Um, and like, again, in draft, you've got a better chance of, um, of getting something together that I can actually deal with them. But in a format like sealed, these gods are just ridiculous. I'm like, like I, I was two zero going into the last round, um, of one of my, uh, seals. Like, which God am I playing against? <laughs> right. I mean, like, right. Um, I, I don't think they had one or if they did, I didn't see it. But that's pretty much the format is you open a god, you go 3-0, essentially, unless you're me, and then you get flown over by a bunch of flyers when you have an Ilharg on the board. But <laughs> whatever, it's all good. Um, that was still a close game, you know, even losing, you know, right. it wasn't like I lost by a lot. Um, they just went to the sky when I'm low to the ground. That's yeah. just the way it is. Well, it's um, interesting, like, I mean... I don't think it's crazy for for sealed formats or limited formats to have like a, a bomb mythic that is just really difficult to beat. But the thing with this is there there's a cycle, you know. So there are five, five of them. So of them. every yeah. color has a bomb mythic, and it's not just a bomb. I mean, the way you're describing it makes total sense to me. Um, and I, I'm of course saying this from the perspective of someone who played zero limited. Um, <laughs> I did draft a. I, we'll we'll talk about that in a sec. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I just think it, it's interesting. I mean, I hadn't even thought about it until you started complaining about it on the Discord. Um, <laughs> speaking of the Discord, we have a Discord yes. for patrons on we Patreon. Do. It's fun. You should, you should really join it. I have a lot of fun chatting in a Discord. It's 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 fun. I like the um, Discord way better than Twitter. I wish we had a bigger Discord so I could use Twitter less. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, standard is super exciting right now. So like it is. I, I just I really I do feel like I want to play all the decks so that's what's that's why I have no wild cards left and I do have that one rare wild card but I don't know it's since I only have one I'm like whoa I don't want to spend it I only have <laughs> one right like I'm afraid because I don't know which deck I am favoring 
Um, well, I mean, that's how we – if we have $100, we'll spend it on like nothing. Right. But like, you know, but we'll spend it all. But if we have a dollar, you're going to be like, well – well, maybe I'll get half a piece of gum and save 50 cents. You know, but when you're $100, like, I have all the money in the world. Yeah, Take exactly. my money. Um, so, same deal, yeah. So um, we had we had two standard events this weekend. We had the standard open and then the standard classic. Um, the open was won by Will Pulliam with Mono Red Aggro. Uh, Mono Red Aggro also finished second and third in that yes. event. Yeah. Collins Mullen and Ethan uh, Gajewski. Um So we had that in the um, uh, in the open, and in the classic, the classic was won by uh, Chris Johnson playing Grix's Control, beating Mitchell Castaldini in the finals with Bant Nexus. Or he was playing Band Nexus, you know what I mean. Um, so some cool stuff there at the top of the field. There's some interesting decks here in this top eight alone. Well, it's interesting if you look at – so just looking at the open um, and not the classic, it yeah. almost looks like there are five major archetypes right now. It's like Mono Red, Esper Control, Esper Midrange, uh Bant Midrange and Simic Nexus are like the, the five m- most common archetypes. Now, don't quote me on that. I didn't count them, but it looks like they're the most common. We had one copy of Celestia Tokens show up uh, in fifth place, um, but that's the only copy in the top 32. So looking at the top 32, that's like the top, you know, the, the five archetypes are, are, you've got like a super aggressive deck, Mono Red. You've got the super controlling deck, Esper Control. You've got two midrange decks, Bant Midrange, uh, Esper Midrange, which is kind of a... Uh, Hero of Precinct 1 deck, uh, similar to what Wyatt Darby was pushing in week one Ravnica Allegiance standard, um, you know, a few months ago. Um, and then you've got a combo deck in Simic Nexus, which didn't make top eight. But if you look through the top 32, there are, you know, like a half dozen copies. So um, it's a popular deck. It just didn't just happen to not make top eight. It did. It made ninth. So it, it was, you know, knocking on the door. Ninth, yeah, 12th, no 14th, 15th. <laughs> it's like it's there. Um, it's definitely there. But then I hadn't even looked at the classic until you just said something. So, yeah, the classic is showing a lot more. Uh, uh, just a lot more choices in terms of archetypes. We've got Grixis, like you mentioned, as a uh, in first place. Bant Nexus is uh, basically just a twist on the Simic Nexus deck, so I, I kind of don't feel like that's too different. But um, um, I just, I'm sorry, I just want to point something out. The top eight of the classic is eight different decks. Wait, uh, first and third are the same. Grixis oh, control. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Seven different decks is still good. It's great. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is it's, week one, so I hope to see more uh, variety. It's it's weird. We're in this weird world because of Arena uh, being available, right? You know, the, I, I want to say day one, but it's like day negative two because it's, it really it's is, like yeah. two days before the pre-release uh, officially if you count the pre-release starting on a Friday and Arena gets it on the previous Thursday. I'm sorry. If the pre-release is officially on a Saturday – and uh, Arena gets it on the Thursday. Uh, yeah, but just like this weird world where people can test their standard decks even earlier. So week one results, quote unquote, week one at SEG uh, opens like we have here. This is ostensibly like players have only had a few, you know, the set was just released on Friday and this tournament starts on Saturday. So there's card availability issues and all this. And it just seems like that that's kind of gone gone away now like i don't think players i'm sure card availability is still sometimes a thing but i think uh you know players have been playing these decks for like 
you know, a week, more than a week and had plenty of time to, to grind also because it's on arena and you can just play it. And um, so I guess my point is you can't dismiss week one decks the way you used to by saying, oh, it's week one. Of course, mono red aggro did well. Well, you can always say, of course, it's week one. Mono red aggro did well because mono red aggro is just always the best deck week one when you have a field of people trying stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it's not as dismissive. Like, so I no. guess what I'm saying is, I I trust these mono red lists uh, as you know as an archetype going forward. Like, if you want to play mono red week two, I don't think you're crazy <laughs> because not you at don't. All. Not at all. That's my point. Is that these actually are strong enough to have shown up in these numbers, despite the fact that people are already, you know, have been playing the decks for a week. It's not, you know, essentially our week one results are really like week two results. That's kind of the way I... It, it really know. is. No, you're right. You're 100% right. Um, uh, because, yeah, people are actually testing. I mean, I was playing standard by like Thursday night. You know, I yeah. was playing standard before I played the pre-release, yeah. which is crazy. That is. That, that never happens. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, these are – like these mono-red aggro decks are even kind of different. The first place deck, first place, remember, mm-hmm. ran four copies of the new Chandra main deck. Yeah. And zero copies of Experimental Frenzy in the 75. Which I think so, is the correct – well, what I mean is you run one or the other. <laughs> right. I think exactly. that's correct. But I'm saying – like yeah, that's my point is that it, it's it's taken the place. I, yeah. You know, we're actually, we're actually seeing this now, which is kind of some, was what I said on the show. Uh, well, I said incorrectly because I said when Experimental Frenzy rotates, but they're going to rotate at the same time. Um, <laughs> Ryan was quick to point that out to me ah, uh, after okay. listening to the show. Thank you, Ryan, for correcting my mistakes. Uh, or at least <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Them. Yeah, but yeah. So they so uh, Chandra might be a better choice. I like it a lot. Um, I think it's really neat because you just keep grinding, 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 and then it has an end game. You know, because then you can just basically you know bane fire them at the end, um, which I think is really good because I don't know. Frenzy has been hit or miss for me, even though I know people swear by it, and I understand why it's good. I've seen it be really good. Um, it's the it's the inconsistency that I don't love, right? Um, and I think that's what caused a lot of people to d- initially dismiss it. I think because it's like, oh, it's a four mana red enchantment. All right, you know that you're, it's already bad, right? <laughs> it's like it's probably <laughs> bad. It's a four mana red enchantment, and right, it's, right. it's got like a lot of an element of randomness to it. And you're like, that's probably no good. Uh, but obviously, it's better than we thought. But maybe not. Uh, but I, I can understand why you would look at it and or why you feel like it's not consistent enough to play uh chandra just because i i heard somebody mention this interaction and i thought it was interesting and and um price of betrayal the sorcery from war of the spark that removes up the five counters from target artifact creature planeswalker or opponent <laughs> works pretty well with that chandra doesn't it <laughs> yep uh, i actually had an opponent who was at three life and i had a chandra and i ticked it up and they go <laughs> price of betrayal on your chandra i was like cool next game they were like what that's awesome that's even better i mean i was thinking you put it in the same deck because it's like you know you can just remove the counters yourself in in increments of five so especially if you're like i'm gonna tick chandra up to to six and so she sticks around and uh and then leave um yeah and leave her on the battlefield after you after you do five so right um i don't know i just think that's kind of 
kind That's of a an interesting funny interaction. interaction. I didn't even I didn't even think of that, but you're absolutely right. You can just go, I'll remove the counter from my own Chandra and kill you. Right. Uh, I mean, it's one mana. Yeah, it's a sorcery, so it's not an instant. But I mean, right. Not not everyone has the luxury of someone casting that spell on your own on your Chandra. Right. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that was that was fun. That was interesting. Um, but I don't know. I yeah, wonder I, if there you could use that in a deck if you're playing if you're already interested in playing Chandra. You could kind of play Price of Betrayal as a removal spell for Planeswalkers. And it just kind of has extra versatility in in your own deck. <laughs> if you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just burn you out, you know, mm-hmm. um, for five, for one mana. So I, I don't know. It seems like it, it could actually see play if Chandra is seeing play in a red-black deck, which is not crazy at all. Yeah, not at all. Um, my red-black deck also runs green. You want to know about it? I, of course, want to know about it. Okay. So I have a deck that um, I have called... I called it Judith Priest because it was running Judith and it was running uh, Priest. Uh, and then I called it Judith Iscariot because I cut the Priest and I had to change the name because there was no more Priest in it. So I called it Judith Iscariot. Um, so then I cut Judith. <laughs> so um, <laughs> now I think I'm just pretty much referring to it as um, Dreadhorde Jund. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this stupid photo to load. So this deck I've been working with is called Dreadhorde Jund, right? I'm just going to read you the deck list. Um, I, I've, I've since modified it a little bit for uh, best of three, mm-hmm. because once I hit gold, I just decided to start. Because what I try to do is I try to grind, grind, grind until I lock in a rank, mm-hmm. and then I can toy with stuff. Because you're not going to get dropped from gold to silver. So, like, once you're locked... This is good advice for any of you. I, like, I saw you tweet this, and I thought it was a great idea. Like, I hadn't thought about it, but it makes total sense. Yeah, if you like to brew decks, but, like, you're also trying to grind levels and trying to get to mythic, um, the time to gr- the time to brew is what as soon as you hit a new rank. So as soon as you hit gold, if you're trying to brew, just brew because you can lose a hundred times and you'll still be gold for no, like no highlighted things. Right. So, um, and then, and then once you're done brewing, you settle on something you like, then you grind to the next level. And then once you grind to the next level, once you get to, uh, to diamond, then you can brew some more. So that way you're not just wasting rank brewing, you know, because yeah. it's, I mean, it's a, it is a grind and it's really annoying. So, um, unfortunately I haven't been able to get past gold cause I've been brewing a little too hard, but, um, I found this deck and this deck has done some stupid things. I'm just going to read the deck three duress, four fanatical firebrand, four shock, four thud, four giant growth, four dread horde arcanist, Two Heartfire, two Rixmati Reveler, three Titanic Growth, four Dreadhood Butcher, four Collision Colossus, two Gruel Spellbreaker, one Mountain, four Blood Crypt, four Dragon Skull Summit, three Overgrown Tomb, four Rootbound Crag, four Stomping Grounds. So, like 20 lands. Mm-hmm. Um, the deck can do a turn three kill in standard, which is nuts. Um, so. The idea is turn one, you cast either Firebrand or Shock your opponent. Um, so they're at 18 uh, on turn one, or, or by the end of turn two anyways. Um, so turn one, you Shock, for instance. Let's just stop complicating things. Turn one, you Shock. Turn two, you cast a, a Dreadhorde Arcanist or a Dreadhood Butcher. Dreadhorde. Horde. 
Thank you. <laughs> Always going to say Dreadhood when I'm trying to say it. I don't know why. <laughs> you either cast a Dreadhorde Arcanist or Butcher on turn two. Um, turn three, you swing with said creature. You uh, Well, before you swing, main phase one, you cast Collision Colossus um, on either one. Uh, so if you cast it on the Arcanist, you have a 5-5. Five, five. Then you swing and you cast it out of your graveyard. You have a 9-7. And then you cast Thud and you deal the last 9 damage. And that's eight. That's 20 damage on uh, on turn 3. And that's with total. the Arcanist. Right. That's with the Arcanist. With the Butcher, um, turn 1, you shock, let's say. Mm-hmm. Turn 2, you swing with Butcher. They take 1. They're at 17. And Butcher's a 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Right. The next turn, you... Pump the Butcher with the Collision Colossus or the Titanic Growth. Make it a 6-4. You swing for 6. They're at 11. You get a counter, and then you thud. They take 14. So they've taken 23 damage on turn 3. I won a game where somebody cast a Revitalize, and I still beat them on turn 3. That's ridiculous. It was crazy. And it punishes decks that want to do real slow stuff and set up things. Now, again, you've got to have like three cards in hand, but you've got a little redundancy. You've got the Titanic Growths, and you've got the Collision Colossus. You know? You've got the Arcanist, and you've got the Butcher. You've got the Thud, and, well, I guess you got the Thud. But you do have Heartfire in there as like a kind of a crappier instant speed Thud, um, which still isn't that bad. Right. I mean, um, you're going to do four. It's, it, it, Heartfire does four to any target, right? Right. And if you sack the butcher, the butcher does its thing. Like Right. So you're still dealing a ton of damage. It's just like, you know, three quarters of a ton or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. like not maybe it's not a ton then, but you're still dealing <laughs> still doing a lot of damage with Heartfire, so that's kinda kinda cool. Yeah. Um it's pretty nuts. And like it doesn't have a lot of long game. Um the gruel spellbreaker was added in there, um, just as another way, um there's another target for your pump spells that you can thud later um, because it, you know, once you cast it on your turn is the only time it's relevant because it's a sorcery. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has hex proof. So if you feel like you're going to like pump, 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 and then get your creature removed when you try to do like anything real, um, you can do that on the spellbreaker instead. That's actually a cool idea. Yeah. Cause they can't, they can't interact with spellbreaker on your turn. On your turn, right, which is the only time Thud matters. Um, the sideboard is something like Cinder Vines. Um, there's a lot of, like, anti-control. There's a fourth duress in there. It used to be all four main deck, but I started getting these double duress draws against, like, decks I didn't want it. And that's the other cool thing is Arcanist can just strip someone's hand with duress. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things is, that, like, even if you don't have any pump spells, you're like, okay, I'll duress you turn one, then I'll play Arcanist, then I'll swing, I'll duress you turn three. You know, like, you're just like, they're like, oh, all my removal is – and that's the other thing is that's trying to take people's removal. Yeah. So you're not getting uh, cold to these things and also shows you their hand so you have a little better idea what to expect when you try to go off with your combo. Yeah, um, you're like, you go ahead and keep your Carnage Tyrant and uh, – Yep, exactly. <laughs> and your you are never getting and- to six. And they're like, oh, you have a ravenous chupacabra. You can keep that too. I don't think you're getting a four, man. <laughs> like- <laughs> right. And now, um, one important thing that I messed up because I could have, I almost beat a mono green deck that had um, a Galta and a Nullhide Ferox all on the battlefield. I almost still beat them <laughs> um, because I could have, I could have pumped and then like. I don't remember what I could have done, but I had I had a way to beat them. 
um, that just required swinging into them, activating things, and then like, oh yeah, that's right, because Thud's in the graveyard, Thud can be played at instant speed with Arcanist. Oh, right, okay. So you can get them at instant speed because you swing, trigger. So I basically I had – I pumped and then I had I had two Arcanists. I pumped one, swung with both. The idea was to pump the other and then th- – or pump the same one and then thud for lethal. Mm-hmm. But I had my triggers set to go on the stack automatically and they went in the wrong order and I couldn't do it. Oh, that <laughs> so, stinks. But I almost swung into a 12-12 to win. Uh, that's how crazy this deck can be if 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 it gets there, you know. Um, um so oh, I'm sorry, go ahead and finish what you were saying. No, no, I mean that's about it. I mean, like the sideboard is basically like Angarth's Rampage, Bedevils, just lots of ways to deal with planeswalkers and remove like tricky things. You basically take out the combo against some decks because you know they just have enough instant speed removal that you're just gonna be embarrassed. Casting double growth, titanic growth, they go <laughs> whatever, like uh, cast away, right, or whatever that. What is that? Is that what that's called? Cast down. Cast down. Yeah, cast away. That was a movie with Tom Hanks. Um, so yeah, so you know, there's some decks that you'll just get embarrassed by stuff like that. So you just take the combo out in some cases, um, and I'm not sure if that's correct. And I'm still tweaking it and still messing with it. But again couple turn three kills that's enough to keep me going with it you yeah. know it's enough to make me go okay this is probably worth exploring um if i'm pulling off crazy wins yeah i love it i mean i know we talked about it in the last two episodes every time you know we were kind of bringing up the the possibilities with some of these new cards and dreadhorde butcher being the main one but arcanist also being the other one that was appealing and i i love what you've done with it like i kind of can't wait to play with it myself but i don't have enough rare wild cards right now <laughs> <laughs> right but uh so like i know we both been saying we're to- toying with a few different decks yours at least uh is one that i don't think a lot of people are um are playing i haven't seen much with that uh myself but like i've been playing with a little bit of you know esper control with just a few changes um the new teferi is actually better than i thought um and i mean i think i said it to you in a text where it's like it's it's a bounce spell that sticks around and messes with your opponent right you're just like mm-hmm. it's a removal yeah. spell that and you you get to draw a card like it's it costs three mana like what do we want from it you know it's kind of i, I don't know if i was sort of biased against it because i'm like oh, it's not not as good as the five drop to fairy like i hope not it's three mana um but it is really good now i'm not quite sure like if it's this automatic four of in every deck that can play it or anything like that, but it is really kind of a cool card. I'm really enjoying the three mana planeswalkers. Um, Narset is the other one that is surprisingly fun to play with. Um, you know, it's just like if nobody's pressuring it, you're just like search for his canta, you know, whatever, <laughs> search for his canta. You get like two great card draws off of it, you know, digging through eight cards uh, with that ability, and you're turning off all of their card draw if they have any. And so, um, I don't know. I, I think I had Narset and Teferi on board at the same time, and it was like, you can't draw more than one card, and you can't cast anything at instant speed, and they just, I think, conceded like as soon as those two were on board at the same yeah, time. what do you do at that point? Um, but I did want to mention, uh, I, I also have been playing Simic Nexus, and I think that's a lot of fun, like playing Tamiyo and Blast Zone being like the new big inclusions in that deck. Um, there's so many people talking about that. I don't think I need to necessarily go into it. Um, but I did want to talk about this. Uh, this is a deck I saw yesterday. I don't know how good it is, but it's kind of like a Splinter Twin combo in Standard, and I 
uh, I have to give credit Uh-oh. to Yeoman5 on Twitter, who uh, I don't know if he came up with the list or if he was just testing it, but it's a teamer deck, but it's a two card combo if, uh, you know, undisrupted. You need Ral Storm Conduit, which uh, is the one that has the minus two that lets you cast or lets you fork something basically when you cast your next instant or sorcery, copy it, choose new targets for the copy. Uh, so you have that's one of the two cards you need. The other one is Finale of Devastation, which of course searches your uh, searches your library or graveyard. Or, I'm sorry, searches your library and slash or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X uh, or less. So what you want to do is cast finale of devastation for four with ral on board and you copy it and what you get is a card from dominaria narrow miha master wizard which when it enters the battlefield copies an instant or sorcery uh that's the combo basically you just get narrow miha copy the finale the other finale of devastation that's on the stack because it ral copied it meanwhile you're pinging them with ral's static ability Mm -hmm. um the next finale of devastation gets another Narumiha, copies the next that that finale of devastation. They legend rule each other. One goes to the graveyard, so finale of devastation just searches the graveyard, get the other, get, and you just do it until they're dead. Oh my god, that's so it's neat. A two card combo in standard. It costs six mana because you need to cast the finale of devastation for four, um, and you need Ral on board. Uh, but I just think that's really cool. I saw that and I'm like. First, I didn't understand it because you're going like you're going to run out of Narumiha, right? Like after three, because there's three copies in the deck. But uh, you no, know, it searches the graveyard too, and they just legend rule each other. And I, I believe the third one's probably in there just in case. Like you want to be able to search for two of them. So if one ends up in your hand, you feel like oh, I still have two in the deck, that kind of thing. But maybe you don't need four because you don't really want to draw it ever. So it's like a weird right. balance. Um, if you only had two in the in the deck. I guess, and you draw. It, you, you can't do the combo. Yeah, it works. Apparently, huh. it's it's like what do you? What part are you questioning? Do you feel like there's a? Well, oh, that's right. Okay, because there's always one on the stack still. Yeah, basically, it just keeps copying finale because of devastation. there's two when it starts. Yeah, the first one resolves and goes to the graveyard, and the creature comes out and copies the one that's still on the stack. Exactly. So then there's one on the stack above it, and then above it, above it, there's always one that's still on the stack. Okay, exactly. I see that. Okay. Yeah, so Ralph At first, I was like, well, wouldn't one. there be, what if there's no spell on the stack? Well, then it doesn't copy anything, but there's always a spell on the stack. So right. that's really cool. Yeah. I, um, I, just in a weird way. <laughs> right. It kind of blew my mind, and I'm like, oh, I want to play this. I need like 12 wild cards. This sucks. <laughs> I mean, it gets up to, I mean, like, you know, six mana is, is you know. It's a lot to ask. But at the same it time, is. like it's still a teamer deck. It plays like Ral's Outburst, which is which is cool. Like cards like that. It's got Living Twister. It's got God Eternal Kefnet, Biogenic Ooze. Um, you get like Siren's Ruse, which is exile a creature and return it. Um, so you kind of get the Blink Narumiha if you want something like that. I don't know. You can Blink. Uh, you get Sailor of Means, which of course is just against aggro. I guess you get a treasure kind of ramp you a little bit. Uh, Paradise Druid incubation druid so it's got some creatures in there like intended to ramp to to six you got lightning strike um fibble thip of the lost because i guess you can just go ahead and do that with finale of devastation <laughs> right like yeah just search for the uh fibble thip um i've noticed a lot of decks playing fibble thip which i don't know it just seems weird to me but i mean yeah. it's it's like not that crazy i mean it's it's not 
game breaking, but I mean, you get you get kind of like an Elvish visionary, and I don't know. It this has a one copy of Expansion Explosion also, which is nice with uh, with Ral and things. You know, just another. Yeah, Ryan is all in on that right now. Ryan is so in on uh, Ral and Expansion Explosion. Yeah, he so I mean, that. you still have that kind of kind of uh, thing. I mean, I I think it's funny that Living Twisters in the deck, but I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm just like, I want to play this deck so I get a better handle on the rest of it. But just the, the two card combo, you know, that if they if they can't disrupt it, you win. I just think that's really cool. Um, maybe I won't in a, in four weeks when it's the only deck that anybody's playing. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, we have to ban Finale of Devastation and Standard or Ral. You know, I don't know. Who knows? We'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in, in a couple episodes if we if this actually starts to catch on too much sure. um, but i mean we're way uh i guess we're way over time <laughs> not really i mean because we took a bit of a break too we we're did, kind of we we're, we're right on the line there yeah. let's talk about one more interaction i saw that was really neat um okay. somebody was playing a version of like a naya feather mm-hmm. deck um and they had 10th district legionnaire which is a white and red it's 2-2 haste mm-hmm. and w- whenever you cast a spell that targets it you put a plus one plus one counter on it and then scry one um they were playing that with Reckless Rage. Reckless Rage is one red, and it says it's an instant from Rivals. Reckless Rage deals four damage to target creature you don't control, and two damage to target creature you control. So you target the hero, or the the whatever, what a 10th District Legionnaire, it gets a counter before the spell resolves. Okay. So so it becomes a 3-3, three, three. it takes two damage, their creature right. takes Right, okay, four. that makes sense, yep. Um, which I thought was really cool. I was like, that's a really great interaction. I actually like clapped. And they were running um, Dreadhorde Arcanist also. So Dreadhorde Arcanist is another creature that can survive uh, taking two, dealing four, and then can buy it back later too to clear the way, um, which I thought was cool. I'm not sure if it fits in my deck because my deck wants shock because it wants to potentially damage the opponent on turn right. one. Um but it was just a really neat interaction that I saw. There's just so many cool things going on in standard right now that it's like there's not there's literally not enough time to talk about them all in one episode. I have another deck I want to talk about that I'm building, but I don't even have time to talk about that. So we can save it for next week. That's yep. still pretty fresh. It's just a it's a gruel deck. I, I, want to, I do want to just say that the interaction I just didn't know existed um, before I started messing with this, and it kind of just happened by accident, was between Growth Chamber Guardian and Rhythm of the Wild. I just didn't even know about that. Um, you know how that works, right? Uh, yeah, how, because basically you trigger the uh, the adapt counter uh-huh. clause there, and so even without actually adapting the creature, you still get you're still getting a counter on it with Rhythm of the Wild, and that triggers the hey, you want to search your library for more Growth Chamber Guardians kind of thing. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like I've had that happen to me a couple of times. I don't think I did it myself, but I'm pretty sure um, someone's done it against me. And I'm also pretty sure it happened on camera f- uh, during the uh, Mich- Mythic Invitational, mm-hmm. you know, last month. I think, but, um, I, I, think I heard it did. I, I think I, when I forget who I talked to, but somebody said that, yeah, that happened on there. Um, so um, I like that interaction a lot. Uh, I wonder if Evolution Sage could go in one of these Rhythm of the Wild decks. Which What does that one do again? The one that's whenever a land in his battlefield under your control proliferate. Oh, right, right. Huh, that's an interesting idea, yeah, or just an adapt deck in general, like, um, I mean, I guess it's just proliferating, but it has to have a counter on it already, I'm, so you're I'm not... thinking more like Riot, like, uh-huh. I mean, obviously they're not in diff- they're not in the same set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I, I don't think our brains go there. But even Steamkin. Right. Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool, too. So you're I mean, just like – interesting. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to mess with that uh, tonight and, and report back because yeah. I like it. I like it the sound, idea. It sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. You want to be yeah. a professional liberator. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a couple of little topics at the end. Do you want to save anything for next time or do you want to – any of these – Want to like finish up with or what? I, I guess I could leave you all with a little thought. So um, I was thinking the other day about um, th- what lands we're going to have for Magic 2020, mm-hmm. right? And I was thinking about weighing the feel bad of opening a land you already have and wasting a rare slot on a land that you already have a copy of rare land you already have a copy of from um from you know dominaria or or uh or ixalan oh gosh um, yeah no if they i were didn't to reprint, think about that if they were to because obviously those sets are rotating if they reprint those in um in M- in 2020 just to keep our lands to make sure we already have our lands we're losing a lot of rares just for having duplicate lands. Yeah. Now, is that a feel bad? Oh my or gosh, is yes. having every year having to craft a whole new land base, is that the bigger feel bad, right? Like, which one is the bigger feel bad, right? right. I mean, like, and it, cause they both aren't good. Like, they both don't feel good going, oh, I gotta come up with all new lands and all new, cause we still don't have our land bases and we're six months in, you know, like, yeah. I don't have all my lands still. You know, I mean, um, we could if we threw the money at it, but I understand what you're saying. Like, right. it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, that that would be frustrating. Like, OK, I've got my four glacial fortresses or whatever, and then they just reprint them. And now when I'm opening M20, I open glacial fortress and I'm like, I already have four, but it's from a different set. So I get a fifth copy and this stinks, you know, like, like I, I don't know. That's a good point. Does I that think- suck worse than, than having to collect a whole new uh, land base for standard. Now, now that's one question that I'm gonna le- that I'm gonna leave you with. But the other question I'm gonna leave you with: We're still four months away, or five months away, rather, from like um, from rotation. Right. What if they say stand because we've oh, everyone's mind has been on new modern, new modern, blah blah blah. They're gonna make a new modern first for for arena. You know, like mm-hmm. that's what's gonna happen. What if standard didn't rotate at all? What if standard didn't rotate this fall? What if they said standard is still going? So you know we have all these. You have you built up this collection on arena. You still get to use it because we're not rotating. What if that happened? Just 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 mill it about. Everyone's so focused on the one thing of creating a new format. Everybody wants to see new formats. What if standard was the new format? What if they just didn't rotate? What if they're like you know what we're just going to keep rolling with it and uh, whatever set's going out this fall part of standard along with Ixalan, along with Dominaria, along with everything you've got in your collection on Arena. I think we've, I, mean, I think we've, we've had that. It's a blind spot I think in our in our thinking about Arena. Well, I mean, it's it, it certainly is a blind spot, but I think, uh, I mean, at some point I would think it would have to rotate otherwise like what's the, the, the point of standard is so that it's always fresh and there are cards rotating out and new players can jump in and play standard because without having to feel like they need to get cards from three, four years ago. You know what I mean? It becomes more, more and more difficult, especially when the sets are out of print. And I think that's kind of the point of standard. I mean, they could certainly blow up our expectations and say standard doesn't exist. We just, everything's legal. You know, it's, (laughs) I, I don't know at some point they'd have to rotate, but the idea of maybe them not letting it rotate 
when we expect it to and throwing another year in like that would be interesting. I, I, I don't know because I hadn't thought about it, but um, you know, I, I love, I love a lot of the cards that we have right now. And I think getting more cards into the card pool is, is pretty fun. So I am certainly not against it. It would just be more cards. So because people, I mean, people like modern a lot, you know, I don't see why, but people like modern a lot. And, you know, that's a non-rotating format. And maybe they're like, people are into non-rotating formats. What if standard didn't rotate? Right. What if we just start at Ixalan and go forward? And that's the format. Just, just food for thought, you know? Yeah. Um, Because then they could print a new set of lands and it wouldn't feel that bad because you're like, well, I'm building for standard, but also standard just got a whole new set of lands. Whoa. You know what I mean? Like that opens all kinds of possibilities. So just a thought, you know, something I'm kind of kicking around in my head. I mean, the Um, the biggest downside is just like new players. I mean, that I can think of off the top of my head, new players having more trouble getting older cards. I mean, it works better. It works on arena, I guess, because they're not, if they're not out of print, if they're always available, that's fine. But, um, in paper, when you have sets going out of print, I think it makes it really hard to compete when you can't just go into the store and buy packs. I, I, I don't know. You know, that's just, that's what I'm thinking um, off the top of my head. And I I think people love standard and kind of the way it's set up. And I know they tweak rotation, but they, it still always rotates. And they've never really had rotation go longer than two years that I can think of. Um, so I'd be surprised if if they did. But, but also if they, they, they could kind of be due. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. if it's been that long, like, if any time is the time to do it, when you've just given people... A program to sink a whole ton of money into mm-hmm. and then telling them, oh, hey, you got to get rid of all these cards from your standard decks because they're not going to be in standard anymore. Um, you don't, I mean, like you could put that off for a year. I mean, you could say, yeah. hey, guess what? All these new players, I know that some of you have just started playing Magic because of Arena uh, or because of even like the Invitational or whatever, you know, like I know you were just introduced to this game. Now we're going to introduce you to the feel bad of rotation. They could they could go. You know what? We could wait a year. We don't have to show them this yet. They can keep ga- they can keep going, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting I, I idea. I hadn't yeah, thought about it, but you know, hmm. I mean, I think that like this. I think that arena has changed the game quite literally. You know, yeah. so um, so there's no reason why if they're going to do something crazy different, this would be the time to do it. Yeah, so. I. I I see what you mean. Like I, they have been doing a lot of different things lately and arena is being, it, it is a huge factor. So I, I'm kind of at this point, I think I'd be shocked, but not as shocked as I would have been 10 minutes ago. You know, now that you've introduced the idea into my head, I don't right. think it's as crazy as, uh, as it, it would have sounded initially. So, um, so yeah, there's so lots of stuff to consider here. Um, you know, we'll see how standard evolves in the next couple of weeks. Uh, because we'll be back in two weeks, so we'll have some time to see the format mature or degenerate, <laughs> depending on what decks get <laughs> popular. Uh, but we'll be here to talk about it in two weeks. So that's all we have for this time. Until next time, we are YoMTG Taps. Make them have it. <laughs> <laughs>